press the button. And away we go. Ahoy! I'm Lauren Grace Thompson. I'm Casey Whalen. I'm Ian Gears. I'm Josie Herman. And I'm Michael Herman. And you're listening to the Mercury, Mercury Theater, Theater Podcast. Podcast. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Mercury Theater Podcast. We are indeed still on hiatus, but as promised, we are still rolling out the hits. The last episode we were given permission to air was EOS 10. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly do. Well, I had the honor of speaking to the writer, director, and actor of EOS 10, Justin McLaughlin. He played Dr. Ryan Dalius. To start off with, I had to clarify how to pronounce the show to avoid any awkward mess-ups. Enjoy! Yeah, we say EOS 10. Um, I do hear it a variety of different ways, and I just, to each his own, whatever, whatever somebody wants to say, but yeah, officially we will, um, we'll say EOS. And I, and I don't know that that's actually correct. It was named after, it's, it's, it's a mythological, I don't even remember actually what it was, um, that we chose. I think it was a moon of some kind, um, when we chose the name. So I don't actually know if that's even correct, but that's where I landed, and so that's where I made everyone else land too, when they... I still, I'm still, I think I still correct some of our, our cast at times too, so. Having heard all the available seasons of EOS 10, I went straight for it, asking if there would be additional seasons of EOS 10. Uh, we're, I, I'm writing five and uh, probably six at this point. It's just, there's a variety of directions we could go at this point, so it's kind of actually a narrowing down process to figure out where we're going to take the next two. Um, but no, I think the last time we recorded, it's, it was pre-pandemic. It might have, it was not long before the pandemic either, but, um, maybe it was, it was maybe about a year actually. So yeah, we have extraordinarily long hiatuses and, uh, people are very generous to, uh, and patient to wait through, uh, these time periods. But yeah, there's definitely more. I think it was always sort of on the radar. It was just, it's honestly just, it comes down to time. And I, I, I'm i not one, I mean, if you give me a deadline, I'll meet it. But I'm not one who tends to like to really push a creative process. I feel it comes out a little better if I let it evolve. There's a lot of me sitting back and thinking and thinking about, oh, the story could go this way, or it could go this way, or I could do this, or I could do this. And eventually little kinds of like milestones kind of start to form together. And then I have a structure for a season and then I go from there. So I do have a, I have a plan. I have a vague plan. (laughs) It's unfolding. Um, But I mean, it's, you got to think about it. We started in 2014. It's 2021. I mean, the way that, you know, I've evolved in those seven years, like, it's hard to keep making the same show in this process without it without it becoming something completely different than what it was. And I think that's okay. It's growing along with me. It's growing along with the audience. It's growing along with the time periods that we, you know, that we currently live in. So I'm I'm it's it I, I realize it's become a little bit more of a an experimental outlet for me in some ways. So I'm gonna take it and uh, keep running with it that way. So who knows what you're going to get in season five and six. I don't really know yet for sure, but I've got some good ideas, so we'll see. Could be a big, maybe a shock. Now that we've been introduced to EOS 10, I was curious as to the road that led Justin to audio dramas. Um, I, I studied TV production in college uh, and did thing. You know, I worked in the campus radio station and the TV station, and then right out of college, I worked at a TV station as an anchor and a reporter. Um, so there was some of that 
and in and in the years right before I think I did EOS 10, I had started doing short films and things like that, and you know went to my first film festival. So it was just it was it was kind of just something where I was experimenting with what I wanted to do and just trying out different forms of storytelling. And I, you know, I was doing things like the 48 hour film project where they give you a weekend, 48 hours, literally to write a script and create a short film and turn it in in those 48 hours. So it was, yes, there was in terms of like audio production experience. Like I said, I worked in radio reporting. I worked for a radio station for a while, but um, I was a little out of my depth with audio. I still don't, I still don't really have, I think the ears that a lot of really good audio engineers and sound designers have. So I've, I've started relying more on other people for that kind of stuff because it's just not there for me. I, it just, they hear things that I'm like, I sure, I believe you 100%. You fix that thing that I can't hear it all, but I'm happy to have you fix it. Like I, I understand that. So I was, I was definitely feeling my way uh, through it in the dark. And like that first season, I think we did in my, it was my office in my apartment in DC, um, which was really just the second bedroom. Uh, they all record, they all read with me. I recorded them individually. It was just kind of this thing. I was like, I just want to try this. And then it became something else. Where are you located now? I'm in West Hollywood now. Yeah. I've been here since yeah. 2015. The regular cast is all in DC. They're all on the East coast in that area. Uh, let's see, season three, I went back to DC and worked with them. And then we turned around season four so much quicker than we normally did that I was still here. So we, I actually recorded in this room. We just set up blankets around me for sound and then we were connected with them remotely. So it took about six, seven hours, I think that day. Um, it, cause it slows you down a little bit. Uh, just, there is a tiny little delay between, you know, the the remote recording and what we were hearing and what they were hearing and we always we always have our actors generally put a little bit of air between lines anyways um just for editing purposes so we we got that it was just it was a little bit of a slower process but it actually worked really well I, the goal i don't know how we'll do the next seasons um i love having everyone together it just at this point, I'm not really willing to lock them in a room together you know in a tiny little room together and be like Breathe all of this recirculated air for eight hours. That's going to be super good for everyone. Um, so we'll figure that out when we come to it. I was curious as to how he connected with all of his voice actors. Most of them actually just came to me through auditions. I Natalie Kutcher plays Jane. I actually found through a friend that I had known. And I don't know. He was an actor, too. I don't honestly remember how I met him, um, but he had recommended her. So I, I found her that way. Charles came to me. Charles Lipper plays Levi. He came through a casting notice, and Dan Dan Barry did too. I mean, all and Alina Winter who plays uh, the interface was the only one that I had worked with before and knew her kind of personally. So she dropped into that role through that personal connection. But they were all really lucky finds. Yeah, they do a really good job, and they're at a point where I was telling someone the other day. I just I know they don't necessarily even read most of the scripts before they step in to record them. It's kind of on the fly and like no one else I would let get away with that. But they're at a point where they kind of own these characters, you know, they're not, you know what I mean? Like they know what they're doing and they're going to give you that character just on the fly. And yeah, I got super, super lucky with all of them. I mean, they're all, 
it's hard to make a living acting in that particular part of the country. Um, but in terms of the amount of work and what they do in their training, like they are working actors. It's just maybe not their full-time support at this point. Um, but all of them could be. He plays the role of Dr. Dalius, but he also directs. I was curious as to how he juggles both of them simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, it's generally, they probably get less attention than they would like at the, um, from me, especially with the US 10 cast, it's, it's honestly, it's so easy. It's so easy with them. Um, and I think early on they realized that if I'm not talking to them about the performance, then it's good and it's fine. It's when I'm, it's when I'm like, Hey, can we talk about this? Can we maybe try something different? And that's when there's a problem and they know. So they know that like my neglect is actually a sign that they're doing really well. I mean, you always, with productions like this, you always are gonna wear more than one hat and eventually they can get really heavy. So it's just kind of deciding where you need to put your effort. And we did Heroics. Uh, that one we did record just a couple months before the lockdown started. And, you know, I had a much larger cast that I had not worked with before. So I had a much larger crew uh, handling a lot of the things that normally I would have done myself. So I could pay more attention to the cast and be there. And I'm also, you know, I, I, I ended up reading a very small role in that show, kind of with the idea that I, I didn't want to take on the responsibility of carrying a big role and carrying the rest of the show in other ways, too. So um, it definitely affected my decision, you know, having that experience on EOS 10, like where I wanted to put my attention into that show. And I probably, if I had to go back, I probably would not have taken on Ryan or any other role in EOS 10. Knowing what I know now, I, I probably would have made different decisions about that, but it is what it is. So we'll, <laughs> we'll keep carrying on as we are. I don't know, maybe Ryan will die at some point. We'll, we'll get rid of Ryan and we'll have someone else come. <laughs> People hear that, I am gonna get so many angry, angry, angry tweets and messages on that one, but I'm kidding. I'm not killing Ryan, I promise. He's not dying. Be almost as bad as killing Levi <laughs> off. Like, it's just, Ooh, I would love to kill Levi. You have to have a sadistic streak <laughs> to be a writer. He's now an experienced audio drama creator, but we all needed to know what his actual inspiration for EOS 10 was. I think at first it was just kind of the challenge of it. It was like I had found Welcome to Night Vale and I was like, wow, this is really popular. People love this. And actually, even before that, a friend of mine had been sending me like stuff that he'd collected over the years from like BBC and, you know, because they were they never really stopped doing this kind of style of show. It was, it would Americans were the ones who just kind of really have picked up on it in the last decade or so. Um, so I had heard some of the storytelling that he was sending me even before I found Night Vale. And I was like, this is really interesting. And I feel like it's going to be really challenging. And it was really, I'll just decide to try it. And then after doing it for a while, there are certain advantages, especially to sort of developing material how quickly you can kind of do it. You know, I don't need to assemble a film crew um, to get this done. I mean, you can, you can, you can build these productions with, with crews that are maybe bigger than you need, or, you know, as big as like even a small independent film or something like that. But it was really just the challenge. And then I kind of fell in love with the format. I think going forward, I've sort of been looking at stuff where I'm like, I really want stuff that 
can live in audio. EOS 10, sometimes if you look at it, it doesn't necessarily justify itself as an audio production. Um, you know, it really could be, you could put it as an animated production or live action and it would probably work the same way. I think some, I think what we were doing was kind of stepping back from the same kind of things that we were used to in TV and film and putting that into audio. I'm shifting a little bit. I'm looking for more opportunities to really play to this medium strength going forward. And that's some of, I think, the evolution that EOS 10 will take, but other projects that I'm working on too. The barriers to access are even lower than they are for other things. And as much as, you know, we've that has come down. Like we all have cameras now that we carry around all the time and actually pretty good ones that would suffice for whatever you need to do. But this is, I see a lot of people jumping into this. It's given people an opportunity who I don't think would have had the same opportunity otherwise. And also it's a rel it's such a, the distribution methods are generally controlled by a couple really big companies, but they're good distribution methods for the moment. They're generally accessible to everyone and everyone can succeed um, with what we have. I think there's ways to improve that, but I just, I like, I like seeing more and more people have opportunities to just tell stories, especially stories that we're going to, that are important to them, that will matter to them, that will give them the things that maybe they didn't get another medium like you know like growing up myself like I didn't see a lot of people like me necessarily on TV you know it just and now I have the chance to in a way create people who are more like me so that someone else will be able to see themselves reflected in the media that they're consuming it's always been sort of a guiding kind of a guiding principle for me he mentioned a couple times formats but I had to ask was EOS 10 potentially a TV show? It is uh, It is currently being um, shopped around in that format. Whether, and, and I, I say that with the caveat that there are hundreds, maybe thousands of things being shopped around in LA and in Hollywood at any given time. And an enormous amount of stars have to line up exactly right for it ever to get to the point where someone's sitting at home watching it. So yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a process that I was slow and hesitant to undertake. Um, but this year we've been looking at it. It's moving forward at a couple different places, but nothing that I could be like, this is going to happen or it's not. Um, I would love for that to happen. I think I I I term I tend I've I've started to think more in terms of my work in terms of world building and even what what me, maybe it would not be a straight adaptation of the podcast at this point. I don't know. Um, there are a lot of ways that we can do that. I have some other thoughts and things that I would I would love to see. Uh, there's a there's a graphic novel that we're about to start uh, taking out, which would be an EOS ten story as well. Um, there is a there is a story that's ready to be pitched. Whether or not it will happen, I don't know. But yeah, and this is a in particular, this is a story that would take place between seasons two and three, and kind of fill in a little bit of what we didn't get to do um, with those seasons. Uh, and I love the story. So one way or another, I think people are going to get this story. I just don't know what format it it will be. I think where I'm pushing it right now would be that sort of graphic novel format. I just I love graphic novels, so um, I think EOS 10 could exist really well in that format. I think it, it was really 
there was nothing that I wanted to do that I was like, no one was saying, well, that's really expensive. You can't do that. Or, you know, I, it was just, it really opened up some storytelling avenues that I was really excited about. So we'll see. There's, there's hopefully in the next year, six months, year or so, I'll have some more information about where things are going. But it's you, you realize at some point, you know, especially working in LA, like, you're competing with so many people and like everyone's good. It's not a question of like, can you do it? Can they do it? Are you competing against someone who's like way better than you? It's, it's honestly just a question of timing, luck and numbers in a lot of way. Like you do have to be ready. You have to get, you have to have your, you know, your, your art form under control. You have to have the skills where you actually can compete. But then beyond that, it's just about meeting, finding the right people at the right times. And so you, you leave a little bit of it up to chance I got in an Uber the other day and the driver literally, he had a screenplay in the back pocket. And I was like, I admire his commitment to blind chance and advancing his career for sure. And it's just kind of like, it's a, there's a little bit of a lottery aspect to um, this industry, especially when you start, when people start putting down real money to make things happen, then they're a little... There's a little more hoops that you've got to jump through when you're spending somebody else's money. I often, you know, I'll be talking with like development execs about a project or a script and I'll be like, you know, this is audio and like in the script, you you described him as walking across the room. How are you going to, how are people going to know? And I'm just kind of like, trust me, we got it. You know, it's kind of like it, it does you even, I think a project, I think I just pitched had a really strong visual element in it. And even my manager was like, yeah, how do you do that in audio? And I'm like, we got it. You have to come up with like these really kind of clever, sly ways to describe sometimes the action as opposed to just saying like, I mean, occasionally we will say in ESN like, oh, you shot him just to make it clear. Like someone just shot somebody, you know, like clarity is always, always trumps everything else. I think particularly in this medium and it, that is often where I think the challenge in this medium lies. You're relying so much on dialogue. You're, you're stripping the actors of so much of what makes their performances expressive. You know, you don't see them. You're not underpinning this with animation or anything. And so it's, 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 it's got challenges that are maybe not evident until you jump in there and you start doing it. It's funny. And like, you, I still talk to people who I think have heard World of Worlds for the first time. And I think they're, they're kind of enraptured by how absorbing even something from back then in that style of like you're talking about where it's a little more expository. And that one had the advantage of being shaped after a newscast. Um, in some ways. And, and and I think they're just really surprised at how how much you can get across just from some sounds, basically. A constant gag for EOS 10 is Ryan's enormous forehead. It's like you've never noticed that sloping forehead in the mirror. My forehead does not slope. Don't fear anymore. I asked him about that too. <laughs> I <laughs> it's a really good question. Um yeah, I kind of wonder, I think what most people have been interpreted that when I look at fan art, what I think they see is sort of the receding hairline, which I think was kind of what we were going for. Um, and it just, I don't know, I kind of just wanted something physical that I could use because we've avoided sort of defining these people visually as much as we possibly can. We throw little things out and usually make them jokes. And so it was just one thing I thought 
like what could I give Ryan that they could make fun of as much as possible um so yeah it became his his enormous sloping forehead and I'm sure Ryan would tell you that it is not nearly as enormous or sloping as his friends and colleagues make it out to be um, but that's the beauty of audio dramas you just don't know you get to decide for yourself do you want to know what his future endeavors are me too um Let's see what can I what can I talk about? Yeah, so <laughs> um, yeah, there are some actually new audio dramas on the kind of getting some traction. There, it, it, we're waiting waiting in for one particular company that's actually. I, what I can say is they have a they have a they have a development deal with with Spotify, so they're looking for content that they can put into that deal with Spotify. And um, working with them to develop two shows right now. One is about one is about androids. Another is about uh, it's set in the near future and it's in a post apocalyptic environment and it is not a comedy it's the first thing that i've that i've really done that's not comedy um and these are both these both really kind of um take the format as far as it really kind of settle into a format that's kind of tried and true in audio and it's one's a mockumentary mockumentary so it'd be in the format of a radio documentary basically and the other one is patterned after a Patterned after a very famous nonfiction show in the way that it will tell the story. Um, so kind of borrowing from the formula like Night Vale did with their newscast format and just but a little a little bit different um, in terms of it's a little more of a documentary feel for both these projects. What will happen with them? I still it's we're still really, really at the beginning stages of these, but my man, when I sent the one to my manager, he wrote back, he's like, I don't really understand it. I'm excited and terrified about what it's going to become. <laughs> and I was like, I think that's praise. I think that's high praise. And I was like, I'm glad I'm terrifying you at this point in our relationship. Um, so, yeah. And uh, I think eventually, um, you know, as we talk about our goals, I, I think I would move. I uh, eventually will probably move into writing TV. Um it's just it's another it's a whole other world to to sort of to step into to break into we briefly discussed podcast conventions and this is his response i it's funny i shy away from things often where they're like can you come tell us about how to do all these things or teach us everything you know i'm like i don't know anything like i am like flying by the seat of my pants 99 percent of the time and it it sometimes and i and i i mean honestly i'm always always happy to share what my experience and my advice is, but my advice normally is just, you're gonna have to figure it out. It's gonna be different for you than it was for me. Like, we're not gonna have the same creative process to start with, and then we're not gonna be the same type of writer, or the same type of creator, or the same type of actor. And I think sometimes someone who's just brand new jumping in seems to know, have more insight than I even do at times and it, because they're experiencing it in a much different way. You know, like when we started, I think I went, I actually went to the BBC's website and bought some of like their Doctor Who and Torchwood shows that they were selling. They were like hour longs that they sold for like $20 or something because I was like, what is this really going to sound like? How am I going to do this? And so like I learned a lot of it from listening to like Torchwood audio dramas, what I wanted. And I know there was a specific episode of, 
I don't even remember what it was of, of a Torchwood audio drama from the BBC where I heard this kind of underwater transition sound thing that they did, which I sort of replicated in a, our second season, like crash and burn, I think was the episode. And, um, so a lot of times I'm just like, I'm happy to talk with you, but sometimes I think I, you know, just you take what everyone tells you with a grain of salt and just do you do your thing. And you'll learn a lot more just by doing than listening to me tell you. He's just about to mention Gotham a few times. Gotham is his talent agency. I think I actually, I first met them through, it was then called the independent film project. Um, I think now they call themselves the Gotham and they do a marketplace every year and last year during the pandemic they did their first audio section so they had an audio marketplace and so that's how i connected so there's like um and so the answer is yes and but the feedback that i got from them in particular was they were looking for what they would call high concept mass appeal basic shows that basically they're like look we have 300 million users we want them all to you we want them all to like the shows that we produce and you we can talk about the utility of that and whether that's a good idea, but that's sort of where they are. But I mean, in terms of the, the answer to your question is there's so many people looking for this stuff. Um, the best bet that I think you will have will be something like that, where you have someone who will vouch for you. So like that was a curated marketplace. So like, look at the programs at like the Gotham, check those out. Um, because they're not, it's, they were really good about it. Um, there's a place, it's not as much about audio, but there's an organization here in LA called Roadmap Writers, and they exist sort of, there's kind of that missing link, kind of connecting creatives with the people who buy what they're creating, and even in terms of representation. So it's at some point, if that's the direction you want to go, a rep is going to be necessary, but an organization like Roadmap Writers can help make those introductions, not for free, unfortunately, Um but they're, they are definitely out there. Um, but all kinds of places like Film Nation was looking, Gunpowder and Sky. And it's really, you got to sort of figure out what their mandate is and exactly what they're buying and if it matches with what you're selling. And that is, that is, that is 90% of a writer's career in Hollywood is trying to figure that out and working that game because you're meeting all these people, but they have their own careers. And so they're moving around to different places and their mandates change. And then they have bosses who tell them what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do and what they should be looking for and what they're not. And you got to let the stars align sometimes. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, but it's been more than a year since I talked to anyone at Spotify. And it seems to me what they're doing a lot more is is turning to name brand sort of A-list creators in the film and TV space who are then turning to people like me because they don't know how to write audio fiction. Um, and I will yeah. say what I hear often is it is a struggle for these people to find writers who understand the medium. So like there's a, there's an inroad there. There's definitely a need. Um, it's just, and it's kind of like I said, everyone's path is going to be different. Like I mentioned, like having reps, but the truth about it is like the cavalry is not coming to hand you a career. Like having reps is not going to just change your life and be like, suddenly you're going to be getting work. It's just, you're still going to have to do the hustle and, and meet people. But I have found those programs like what are at the Gotham to be really valuable in a, in a lot of different ways, just because 
access is a problem like you know like the whole industry is built to deny creatives access to the people who buy what they sell you know you need those middlemen in between you and that's changing a little bit in terms like how the internet has changed the industry and in terms of access but it's still a long it can be a it can be a slog sometimes you want to follow justin's career don't you this is how you do it the best place um for me is probably twitter and i'm just justin mclaughlin justin mclaughlin one word um and that's where I am definitely most active. Same name on Instagram. Um, and then we do have uh, EOS 10 has its own Twitter feed that is EOS underscore 10. And then Heroics has one that is, uh, let me double check before I say the wrong thing. It is Heroics Pod. Um, and those are pretty similar across medium, but like if you if if it's me you like, then you, then Twitter is where I'm I'm running my mouth most of the time um, and getting myself into trouble. I, I use it very differently than I used to. It's a lot less of a, me getting angry and yelling at people, but um, definitely. And I, I I I people people tweet at me all the time, and I love hearing from people and talking to them and telling me. I get a lot of hey, I'm gonna. I just listened to EOS 10, and I wanna, I wanna meet you out back behind the Burger King for a few minutes to talk. And uh, I've not taken anyone up on that offer yet, but I get a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I recommended Jack in the Box for someone recently. Asking Justin for a word of advice, he graciously gives me a second one for free. There, okay, there are two really important things that I think as a creative and especially if you're if your goal is to do this professionally it is to just just do it just get started and sort of persevere through it like if you look i mean if you can get to a finished script you've beaten 90% of the people out there already like celebrate the victories as they come no matter how small they are and just kind of let go of the results you know, you can't control, there's so much you can't control. There's so much you can't control. Experiment, have fun, do it because you love it. And don't wait, don't, don't, don't hesitate. You know, the enemy of good is perfect or something. I don't know what that phrase is. I don't know how to say it, but the, the Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Thank you. There you go. Um, it's not like I talk for a living or anything like that at all, <laughs> but it, it's really important. It's really important. To, to kind of take that to heart because, you know, you can revise a script endlessly and it will never be done or it could be good enough and you can put it out there and you can grow from that experience and keep going. And every time somebody tells me, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, my advice is do it. Just do it. Doesn't matter what it comes out to be. The fact that you did it is what's important. Heroics. He's mentioned it several times. What is it? Yeah, Heroics is about a group of sort of B-list superheroes who are struggling um, financially, socially, emotionally, who decide it might be more lucrative if they were supervillains instead. Um, and they just don't tell each other that they're all working towards this new goal of supervillainy. And um, it kind of follows their, their path from deciding being a bad guy would be really great to maybe being a bad guy is not as much fun as we thought it was um and so they work in a they they have a comic book shop that is sort of their their front for their superhero organization which is called 
Well, I think the acronym is GLAM, which stands for the Grand League of Avenging American Metahumans. Um, it's, it's, I think, tonally really similar to EOS 10. If, if EOS 10 was something that you like, this is something that you would also like. It pushes a little bit more towards a sitcom style. So um, more more jokes, more episodic storytelling, more bigger performances even if you can imagine that than what happens in EOS 10. It's just it's a matter, it's a it's a slight technical and style change, but it was a lot of fun. It was like we talk, you know, the EOS 10 cast is great. The heroics cast was also super fantastic. It was cast by actually one of our cast members. Her name's Annie Chang. Um so she brought in pretty much everyone. Like I she was the first one I cast because we're we're good friends and I had written that role uh, with her in mind and then I just kind of turned over that responsibility to her in terms of producing casting and she rocked it like we just got some really great people that really in a lot of ways made those characters what they are Christina Mueller comes to mind she plays a character named Persephone and we had a lot of trouble casting that character um, because we just didn't know what it was like she was in the scripts we had a sense of it but we had no idea what she wanted so we asked her to come read during a table read just to fill in because we hadn't cast it yet and I think it took pressure off of her for it to be like good or to meet her expectations so she just broke out this like blase German accent that I never would have asked for and it was we at the end of it I was like can you just take the role now because that was amazing like it was perfect and so she did and it just yeah it's like happy little accidents like that happen um, I was watching the Bob Ross documentary, so maybe that's why I just broke out the happy little, not happy little trees, happy little accidents. But um, yeah, I had, I really had a lot of fun and there is a plan for a season two. It's, I, I'm, I figured out recently that I'm actually only one person. So I have to, I have to be a little more selective than I was in the past. Um it's a realization, right? To realize you're actually only one. You can't do everything that you really want to do. Justin McLaughlin was such a genuinely fun person to talk to. He and I Zoom called, but it was only when I was in post-production for the episode that I strictly heard Dr. Ryan Dalius. Audio is such a fun medium. Anyway, we hope you liked the interview and the pilot episode of EOS 10. If you enjoy Mercury Theatre Podcast and all our offerings, Please follow or subscribe to our show and follow us on mercurytheaterpodcast.com. We'll have our audio dramas back up and running before you know it. Until then, I'm John Badger. Now what?